Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Back Check, the Hockey History Podcast. I am Riley, and I am joined by Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. And today we have an all-defense episode. I believe our first all-defense episode, right? I think so, yeah. I think so. Um, and we are going to talk about, as usual, one eligible player, one recently inducted player, and one old-timer who has been inducted a long, long time ago. So um, for this episode, we've got Sergey Gonchar, um, and then we have Phil Housley, who was inducted a couple, two years ago, I believe, and then Eddie Gerard, who was inducted probably in the 40s or 50s or something like that. So to start things off, we have Sergey Gonchar, or Sergey Gonchar, rather. I'm butchering his name. That's okay. It's, uh, we're, we're, we're tricky with the Russian names. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. <clears throat> Sergey Gonchar, his career. He was in the NHL from 1994 until 2015, so that's kind of nice because we saw his entire career. Um, he played 20 seasons and 18 were quality. He uh, had 220 goals, which is 16th for a defenseman of all time. He had 591 assists, which is 17th for a defenseman all time, fifth for a defenseman from Russia. Uh, and that is that totals 811 points, which is 16th all time for a defenseman. He was plus 33 in 1301 games, a 2340 average time on ice since uh, 9899 when they began tracking that. A 141.9 point share, which is 14th for a defenseman, second for a defenseman from. So well, that's second for any Russian. Sorry. Oh, for any Russian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good then. Um, Gonchar is second all-time among USSR-born players in defensive point shares. Gonchar is 17th all-time in uh, goals per game and 24th in points per game among defensemen. In his draft class, 1992, Gonchar was drafted 14th overall and is 5th in goals, 1st in assists and points, but 2nd in games played. Um in his era of the 11 players to play in at least 1,250 games between 1994 and 2015, Gonchar is 10th in goals and goals per game, 5th in assists and assists per game, 8th in points and points per game, 6th in plus-minus and offensive point shares, 2nd in defensive point shares, and 4th in point shares. Uh, his 82-game average, 14 goals and 37 assists for 51 points and a plus-2. His three-year peak from 2000 to 2003 uh, went from uh, for 82-game average of 22 goals, 42 assists for 62 points, plus eight, 24, uh, 24-40 average time on ice, and an 11.4 point share. His possession stats since 2007-2008, of course, this is the tail end of his career, um, or at least he's getting there. Uh, he's yep. out of his peak for sure. Um 50% Corsi 4, um, a negative 0.9% relative Corsi 4, a 49.6% Fenwick 4, a negative 1.5% relative Fenwick 4. Um, his playoff stats, 22 goals, 68 assists for 90 points and plus 3 in 141 games. His adjusted stats, 244 goals, 652 assists for 896 points. His adjusted 82-game average, 15 goals, 41 assists for 56 points. Gonchar is not in the top 25 in adjusted points per game, and he was treated once in his prime and once after. And so now to his accomplishments, uh, he was top five in Norris voting four times, which surprised the hell out of me. 
Um, top five defensive player by defensive point shares once in 1996. He scored 25 goals once, one of only 24 defensemen to ever do so. He was he scored 20 goals twice. He scored 15 goals six times, one of only 21 defensemen to ever do so. He tallied 50 assists twice, 40 assists five times. He scored 60 points three times, 50 points nine times, and he was one of only 13 defensemen to do that. He was top 10 in assists per game once and top 10 in plus minus once. He was a second team all-star twice and a four. he's had four all-star game appearances. All right. Um, his great teams. He was the best defenseman on one champion, the 9 Penguins, and one runner-up, the 08 Penguins. He was the best defenseman by points on one runner-up, the 98 Capitals. He was the best defenseman by points on one Olympic runner-up, 98 Russia. Um, a known role, he didn't score, but he played on one Olympic bronze, the 0-2 Russia team. Um, best defenseman by points, but we're really guessing here, on one world championship bronze, the 0-7 Russia team. Uh, a role player by points and games on one world championship runner-up, which is the uh, 2010 Russia team. So I got to say, I didn't realize that he'd, like, I, I didn't realize that he had had done this much, that his career was this good. Yeah, he he was a really good, like, one of the, I would say, one of the premier offensive defensemen for a good 10-year stretch. Where yeah. Showed, like, he was, he was outstanding, and especially the era in which he did that, a lot of his peak years came in the clutch and grab era. So, I mean, I mean, if it wasn't for his ability to get his team points on the power play or, you know, score the old i'm not sure what his power play versus even strength stats are but he was like one of the premier uh assist getting defensemen and usually it's because he put the puck like right where the guy could tip it and that's pretty much the only way you could score back then was to tip the puck so he was really good at getting the puck through with a wrist shot like kind of like it's almost like a lot of the guys today have sort of taken that from his game. I'm guessing other defensemen as well, but like maybe I shouldn't wind up and try to Al McInnes it through the back of the net. Maybe if I just get it on net in a good spot, a lot better things will happen because I, I won't get it blocked, you know? Um, so to answer your question, um, goals wise, anyway, um, almost half of his goals came on the power play and assist wise, uh, over half of his assists came on the power play. So, you know, I and I, he was around forever, and I I know he had good numbers. I just I think it's I just when I was writing it out, I was like, oh wow, really? Mm -hmm. Especially like in comparison to the guy his era, right? Like, yeah. there's just he's he's you know he his offensive numbers were maybe a little bit better than I was expecting them to be, having not thought about it in a long time. Um, and I was also surprised by the the Norris voting. Um, being top five four times, I'm, I mean, I know people have hard-ons for offensive defensemen, but I was just like, really? But then I got to the, the, the teams, and I was like, oh, yeah, he really was, like, the defenseman on on the pens from 08-09, and I completely yeah. I'd forgotten that. Like, I remember him being on the team. I just don't remember him playing as much as he did play, because he did play. Like, that's, I mean, that when we get to those years, we have the ice time information. He did. He was the, you know, he was the guy they were, they were trotting out most. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He was, uh, he played a lot, a lot of minutes. He was a very, very good player. Just, he wasn't really known for his defensive acumen, but yeah. I guess, you, can, you know, when we consider modern stats with what he was doing, it's like, well, 
he was always, you know, in possession of the puck or making a great first pass. Like he was sort of that, the way, the way teams look for defensemen now in today's game is the way he played the game sort of. Yeah. And you can see too, like with, with the possession stats, I know they're at the tail end of his career, but you can see that he wasn't, you know, um, maybe driving play as much as, I mean, he might've been more so when he was younger, but like as much as like the real absolute stars that you would want, right? Like those, he's very, very average possession numbers, literally like average. Yeah. Um, Well, I I think with a guy like Gonchar too, it's like, he's sort of that, like, if you were to peg him as like a defenseman, just if, if let's say there were never any penalties and you just always had to play five on five, you're like, Hey, he's a number three. You know, like, cause he's not, you don't want him out there against the top guys on the other team, Yeah. but because you're playing with power play time and, you know, you can just like keep him out there and, cre- you know, create offense and, you know, you're trailing in a game tell, give him the green light to rush the puck. Like he, he was a very useful player, but the, the precision on the power play or running the point with the good offensive players is like such an advantage for a guy. So his possession stats might not show that he's a better than average player, but then he's yeah. also that guy who creates so many, you know, either a rebound off a tip or the guy just tips it straight yeah. in or he, you know, he makes a great play at the point and keeps it in. And then, you know, so it doesn't, doesn't really show up as possession stats, but like, well, he's the other thing, the other thing is if you ignore the possession stats and you look at his offensive numbers, yeah. I mean, here, like you said, he's playing significant part of his career in the dead puck era, mm-hmm. and yet he has the 16th most goals of any defenseman ever in the history of the league, and the you know the 16th most points. And he didn't play. I mean, he he played. What did we say? He started in '94, so he started the tail end of like the crazy offense era, yeah. and spent a good chunk of his career doing that when it was really hard to score. So that's impressive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a uh... I think you have to give him a lot of credit for having spent the the early years of his career when he would have been in a puck rushing, you know, let's go get a whole bunch of points sort of defenseman. And he was playing in an era where they were like, just stay back because it's all trap and every game's going to yeah. finish 2-1 and all that kind of stuff. It's also worth noting, too, that I, I'm pretty sure, um, I guess you could make an argument for one or two players, maybe well, in his prime, maybe Michael Pekka or Happy Bullen if he had been better for longer. But I'm he... As far as I'm concerned, he's the best player out of his draft year. Um, yeah, his draft year is not good. Well, I mean, Alexi Ashen had his flash that's, before he That's left. true. Oh, you know what? Also, Leighton. Yeah, Yuri Leighton was a good player. Um, well, I mentioned Habi Bulin already. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, there's a couple of other decent players. No, like, uh, there, there's but, decent players. There's just no, like, you when you look at the list... Yeah, right, I don't like think anybody else who should be in the Hall of Fame, except for maybe if you wanted to ar- argue Habi Bullen because he won the cup. Yeah, but even then, I don't think he put together a long enough career. I mean, I think I think you could. I mean, we'll get to it later, I'm sure. But like, you could you could make an argument, um, depending on how you feel about Leiden, and, and but that I'm not saying I would agree with it. I'm yeah. just saying based on the awards, one, yes. you know, you win. He's won what three Selkies or two Selkies. I, I think it was two or three. I can't, I can't remember. Anyway, any, but... three is usually the magic number. So if yeah. he has three selfies, which I can't remember, then you could make that argument. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I otherwise agreed. And like, you know, Hammerlick had a fine career, but he was mm-hmm. not, you know, we're, we're, uh, <laughs> you know, whenever we get to him, which will be in a while, I think, uh, because he, 
unless we're like focusing on games played, it's going to be a while till we get that low on, on the points list. Oh, um, you know, you know, he was not uh, a franchise defenseman and, and like, yeah, I agree with you. It, it's not that when I said it was a not great draft, I meant more that there wasn't like a, you know, franchise altering player really. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, Yashin, Yashin kind of was for a bit and then yeah. sort of Yashin'd it up. Um, yeah. And it's hard to, you know, when you're, when you're sabotaging your, your team with contract talks and stuff, yeah. it's, it's hard to uh, be a franchise player. I mean, he, yeah, he had that one year where he well, like, <laughs> like, like a lot of the, like in terms of these draft drafted players making the NHL, there's quite a few like names that I recognize that you would as well. Um, oh yeah. In, yeah. There's all, lots of like every round there's a few guys that made it, but no one who really stands out is like that guy should be in the hall of fame. Just there's a lot of decent guys, Yeah, you know, like Corey Stillman was decent for a while. Yeah. Jason Smith. I used to be a big Jason Smith fan. You know, back when stay-at-home defensemen were still able to exist, yeah. you know. Uh, Big slapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sergey Breland. I remember when Sergey Breland was playing an important role in the doubles, yeah. you know, like yeah. Anson Carter. Yeah, Robert Svela. There's there's some really good players. There. Yeah, Robert Svela. Yeah, yeah, Robert Svela. Yeah. Manny Fernandez. Hoagland. Bre- Bre- every every Maple Leafs favorite player, Jonas Hoagland. Uh, Maple Leafs fans' favorite player, I should say. And uh, Michael Pekka had a very solid career. Um, yep. Was really good for a little short while. Um, Andre Nikolishin's in there, Darren McCarty. Like, there's some real good players in there that were yep. very useful for their teams. Just nobody who put up stats that you would say that guy's got to be in the hall. Well, well, Jim Carrey started out like that, but he didn't keep, keep it up. Remember him? Yes, I do. Yeah. Was it like 14, so, 14 games in a row to start his career or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Speaking of the hall, mm-hmm. I I'm not sure what to do with Gonchar. Yeah. Because I'm on the fence too, I really don't. I, he's there's there's aspects, there are things about his career that I look at and go, you know, this is impressive to me. And like I said, more impressive than I was remembering. You know, when I sat down to do it, I was like, oh really? Oh really? A couple times I was like, really? You know, like the you know so i mean it it's hard it, unless you spend too much time on hockey reference it's hard to know what a good like point shares is but his 11.4 point shares per uh, 82 games uh at his peak that is it's not like lidstromesque but yeah. it's pretty good yeah. like it's it's uh it's really like when he was, you know, um, on the Capitals, then like he was, I, I wouldn't be surprised if by point shares anyway, he was the most important player during that period. Like it's 11, like you're over 10 point shares per game. You're having a really good year. Yeah. Now it's weighted more defensemen because of the nature of the calculation. Defensemen are sort of like goalies get a little goalies get even more, but like there's a little more weight towards them. Um, but like I saw that and I was like, really? That's I'm I'm impressed by that. And also, um, I don't know, just like just where he is on the you know all time leaderboards. But at the same time, you know, I think you know, he really was clearly and also as I mentioned before, the the role he played on some teams that I've forgotten it was that big a role. But you know, at the same time, 
he's very much an offensive defenseman. And I'm not sure, like, you know, you, you were reading out his stuff and like, he's, he's the fit. Uh, he's the second overall uh, Russian, or I have to say USSR born player, because unfortunately hockey reference uh, separates Russian, like people born in Russia after the breakup, uh, which is really annoying. But um, he's second uh, in point shares overall and second defensive point shares to a person we haven't talked yet about because he has a um, he hasn't he didn't play as many games and because um, I believe he also he played fewer games and he might have a slightly lower plus minus but um, you know oh no maybe not I, anyway the fact is he played fewer games and he played less he, because he didn't play as many games he doesn't um, he's not as high up on certain leaderboards, but like, I, I feel like Zubov has a, a way, way better case I without think. looking, looking at his resume. Yeah. And I, I think that's like on the eye test, I think for many, many years of their careers, I would have rather had Zubov than, uh, than Gontra, right? He was, he was, yeah. And, and, and I just think about like, you know, I don't know when we're going to talk about Zubov, but I think about it, like essentially what you just said. I think about which Russian defenseman from this era which I would I rather have, and like the answer is not Gonchar, and and like well that that says something to me. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I I, I look at this and it doesn't. It, it I'm surprised, but I'm not. I'm also not convinced. Yeah, necessarily. I, I would say the same thing. I would say, you know, he. He did a lot of great things, um, but he had some big, like, sort of deficiencies in his game. Um, he wasn't a guy that you would put out there, you know, late in the game. Um, if you were trailing or tied, you know, you might, oh, maybe we'll keep him on the bench and, you know, throw a Jason Smith type guy out there to get us, get us to overtime, and then we'll put him out there and live with whatever happens. But, you know, if you're protecting a lead, I don't think he'd be the guy you want out there. Whereas I think Zubov could have been out there. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. It's there's a lot of players where you're like, if the, the way the hall has set itself up, is that it's not a hall of absolute dominant greatness. It's a hall of, did you have a really good career for a pretty long time? Eh, we're gonna think about putting you in. So yeah. I mean, in that, I'd I'd at least I'd listen to arguments for him. And given that he his stats are, you know, I I feel like his stats are affected not only by the fact that he played in the clutch and, clutch and grab era, but the philosophy of the clutch and grab era where it's like defensemen yeah. don't really rush the puck all the way up. They don't jump into the play unless you're trailing and it's late in the game. Like it was so defensively minded and taking chances was such a, you know, such a bad thing to do that would get you benched for the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah. It may have affected what he was able to do and he might have had the ability to put up, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say – you know, you know what? Maybe I will say it. Maybe then he could he could have been the type of guy to put up Carlson like numbers. Yeah. Have the green light to just go do whatever you can do, and we'll live with the fact that sometimes you're going to be a minus ten on the season, but you're also the guy that drives our offense because you make everybody else around you better offensively. And you know, hopefully the stay at home defenseman that we play you with can cover up a lot of holes for you. But like, just go. You know, and that didn't happen in that era ever. Ever. Yeah, and I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think had he been born ten years later, he might have had a different, at least somewhat different career. I mean, he still played a lot, right? You know, like averaging 
what was it? Um, 23, almost 24 minutes a game, you know, for the, the second two thirds of his career, there's nothing to sneeze at. Um, but it it is possible. Um, but you know, I, I feel like he's, he's a top pairing defenseman who needs to have a good partner. Otherwise he gets exposed kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Similar to, I'm trying to think of an example for nowadays. Um, well, this isn't a good example because they're not similar players, but yeah. like a little bit like FNUF. Okay, yeah. You know, like in the sense that FNUF, FNUF is like a, like almost like a 1A mm-hmm. or like not anymore, obviously. Yeah. He's, when you know, he's, he's when he was in his prime, like I, I was a big fan of him when he first came in the league. Oh, yeah. And then, and then like the league started to change around that time right when he came in and he had like his first couple years were his best years of his career basically and by the time he got to the leafs he just wasn't and i don't know if he ever was and it was just the perception of me being not in calgary and not watching the flames games all the time and i just assumed he was better but by the time he got to the leafs and started watching all the time it felt like he couldn't quite be that guy which he was being played as right and he had some terrible years um relatively terrible years for toronto where he couldn't score yeah and it's because he was being asked to do things that he was you know not um necessarily able to do like uh his last year in calgary jay bowmeister was playing more minutes yeah because bowmeister could eat up the minutes better than he could and then no our our genius general manager in toronto didn't look at that didn't and and thought that you know Fanuf was the minutes eater that Bowmeister was, and uh, and brought him here and it didn't work. And I uh, Gonchar didn't have that experience. He was played as the number one defenseman in some places successfully, but I think that like there are these guys out there who you know can't quite hand like you know you put them as the number two guy next to somebody. And and they they really really thrive. Whereas if they're in the number one, they're maybe not quite as good as they would be if they are number two. Yeah. Um, McCabe would be another one, a different player again, but another guy who like really benefited from playing with someone who was well suited to like pair with him. Had he been strictly the absolute number one in Toronto, I, I think he would have had a worse career. But I neither of these necessarily fit the the Gonchar comparison is more like, I think there's like a, you know, there, there's a ceiling. Some of these guys have, and some of them don't, right? Like yeah. um, to go back to Zubov, Zubov, like when he was in the playoffs would play, you know, not 20, what did, what did Gonchar play in the playoffs? Um, I didn't put down his ice time. Um, hold on. Let me, let me just, I have him open here. I'll just say, so Gonchar used to play, you know, 24 minutes a game. Thereabouts. He, he actually played one year. He played 29 minutes a game in uh, in one series for Washington, um, which is crazy. So he, he's maybe a little better suited to it than some. But like Zubov in one one year for the uh, Stars was playing like 30 something minutes a game. There are players who can do that, and there are players who just can't. Yeah, absolutely. Or they're they're a liability if they do. Yeah. And I think that. You know, I, I, I'm I'm not sure I'm convincing my own, myself about this. I'm just not sure Gonchar was quite that guy who could be 
you know, clearly the the Capitals in 2003 thought he was and played him 29 minutes a game in a series they lost. But he was yeah, well, he was that, that, plus that, two. So you remember what uh, what year that was? 2003. 2003. I'm trying to think of who they lost to that year. Well, I'll tell you one second. It's loading. They they lost to the Lightning. The Lightning. Okay. So maybe they just thought that was their best chance because they were overmatched. Um, or just they maybe there could have been an injury, like maybe Well, I mean yeah. you know, I, I don't know like let me like the other choices, like the next the next played defenseman on that team yeah. uh was Brendan Witt. Okay. And then Ken Klee. So basically Gonchar was far away the best defenseman. I like Brendan Wood a lot. I mean that guy's tough as nails, but he's not yeah. not anything higher than a number four defenseman. But I mean like in six games Gonchar played half a game more than he did. Wow. <laughs> because I mean some of that's power play time. Yeah. Obviously. But like it's it's clear just from looking at the ice time that like the coach was like <laughs> Get back out there, Sergey. Get back out there. Get back out there. <laughs> anyway, I, I I don't know. Um, I I'm like you said. I am willing to listen to arguments, mm-hmm. but I don't look at this and go for sure. Yeah. And I would say, I'm I'm I personally am erring on the more on the no side, but I'm not like excluding them, and I'd be like like I. I like you, I'd be willing to listen to the possibility that he does deserve to be in. Yeah, I, I think um, I think there are probably defensemen in there that I would like. Once I saw their stats, and I remember how you know important Gonchar was, and just sort of like, man, it's almost like he played in the wrong era, and maybe maybe he never had that partner to make his stats be even better. Um, you know, like you were saying, he was. <laughs> It was him, and then it was Brendan Witt. I mean, there's probably an injury there, but you know, he a lot of defensemen that are very offensive minded when they find that perfect sort of defensive partner to play with them, they make that defensive partner look like he's a number two defenseman and just yeah. fantastic because they're so good. Yeah. But that guy's game just complements theirs perfectly, and you can think of so many examples of it. You know, um, Kamasarek with Markov. Um, and then he leaves and it's just like, what happened to him? Like, just, man, he can't play anymore. And yeah. It's like, oh, maybe Markov was just really good and he was just a good compliment for him. Cause he would step up and he would clear the front of the net and did all the stuff Markov kind of couldn't do, or didn't do as much, didn't do as well as the other things he did. Yeah. And, um, Carlson and Mathot, remember how great they were last year in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and then Mathot, you know, got, they lost him to the expansion draft to Vegas and then he got traded to Dallas and Dallas was all excited that they were getting him. And then like, Oh, when he's not with Carlson, he's just kind of there. <laughs> he's like, and in that series, he played so well against Crosby, but it's like he had that dynamic with Carlson where they could just go out there all the time and just dominate because he's like, oh, Carlson is going to get the puck and move it. I just have to focus on, you know, getting either getting him the puck or making sure nobody gets to the front of the net kind of thing, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Simplifies his game because he's playing with an elite level player. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. All right, uh, so shall we move on to to Phil Housley since we're yeah. both sort of we're sort of on the fence, both of us with Gunter. Yes. All right. So up next we have Phil Housley, who was inducted in I believe 2016. 
Um, he played in the NHL from 1982 until 2003, which was 21 seasons, at least 19 or quality by defensive point shares. If you did it by points per game, it might be higher than that. Um, he scored 380, uh, 338 goals, which is the fourth among all, uh, all defensemen. And he had 894 assists, which is 20th all-time period, fifth among defensemen, and first for any American-born player. Uh, and he had 1,232 points, which is the fourth defenseman and the second American, excluding that trader, Brett Hull. Uh, he was minus 53 in 1,495 games. Now, normally we don't point out bad things when we're reading out their career, but I can't help myself. Among all NHL players to play in at least 1,400 games since 1967-68, Housley has the third worst plus minus after Shane Doan and somebody else. Um, he had 20, 52, uh, 20 minutes, 52 seconds, average time on ice since 1998-1999, so the last couple, like four seasons of his career, so not much. Uh, so he was probably playing way more when he was younger. And 170.7 point shares, which is 17th all-time among all players. Housley is 23rd all-time in defensive point shares. Among defensemen, Housley is 8th all-time in goals per game, 10th in assists per game, and 9th in points per game. In his draft class, Housley drafted 6th overall, is 8th in goals, 2nd in assists, 3rd in points and games played, and 14th worst in plus-minus. Of the 21 players playing at least 1,250 games between 1982 and 2003, Housley is 15th in goals and goals per game, 9th in assists and assists per game, 11th in points, 12th in points per game, 3rd last in plus minus, 8th in offensive point shares, 6th in defensive point shares, 3rd in point shares. His 82-game average is 19 goals, 49 assists, 467 points, minus 3. His three-year peak, and I forgot to mention this when you were talking about uh, Gonchar, Bill, but uh, when I'm calculating the peaks for um, defensemen, I'm using point shares rather than uh, points per game because they're okay. defensemen. I, gotcha. I figure that is more reasonable. His 82-game average uh, for the three-year peak of 1989-1992 is 24 goals, 62 assists, 486 points, which is ridiculous. Minus 2 and 11.4 point shares, which is exactly the same as Gonchar's, which is interesting. Uh, no possession stats are available, of course. His playoffs, 13 goals, 43 assists, 456 points, minus 23 in 85 games. Uh, his adjusted numbers, 308 goals, 840 assists. That's 22nd all-time for 1,148 points. His adjusted 82-game average, 17 goals, 46 assists, for 63 points, which I believe is slightly worse, yes, slightly worse than his regular 82-game average. He was traded four times in his prime. Okay. Over to you. Um, I'm just looking at his draft year. Um, and, uh, you know, you got Brian Bellows and Scott Stevens, Phil Housley. And then, uh, you know, you get down to like Rich Sutter and uh, our good old buddy Dave Andrichuk's there. Uh, it's not a it's not a lights out first round. Um, like some yeah. decent NHLers in there. He, I he believe Gilmore is the lead points leader for that. Way in what, what what round was he drafted in again? I don't know, six. Okay, way in the bottom there. I don't remember. Fifth, sixth, something like that. Small by their standards, yeah. Not yep. even seventh round. Seventh. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's some fine players in there, but Housley's definitely one of the names that jumps out for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So his accomplishments. He was uh, top five in Norris voting four times. 
He was top five in Calder voting. He was a top 10 player by point shares three times in 84, 90, and 92. He was a top 10 defensive players by defensive point shares twice in 85 and 90. He scored 30 goals once, one of only nine defensemen ever. 25 goals three times, one of only five defensemen ever. 20 goals seven times, one of only six defensemen ever. 15 goals 13 times, only Ray Bork has done it more frequently. Tallied 70 assists once, one of only nine defensemen ever. 60 assists three times, one of only nine defensemen ever. 50 assists six times, one of only nine defensemen ever. And 40 assists 13 times, one of only six defensemen ever. He scored 90 points once, one of only eight defensemen. He was uh, he had scored 80 points three times, one of only seven. He scored 70 points six times, one of only seven. 50 points 12 times, one of only four. And uh, no, that should say 60. Sorry, 60 yeah, points sorry. times, one of only four defensemen who's ever done that. 50 points 14 times, one of only 60 defensemen who've ever done that. Uh, he was top 10 in assists three times, top 10 in assists per game twice, a first-team All-Rookie, second-team All-Star once, and se made seven All-Star appearances. All right, so his great teams, he was a top 4D by points on one Stanley Cup runner-up, the same uh, 98 Capitals as Gonchar. Um, there's a bunch of segues between these two guys. Uh, and then he was a top 2D, I believe, by points on one Olympic runner-up. That was the 2002... Uh, American team. I'm not 100% sure about the actual ice time there, but just guessing. And then he was an injured or a reserve player on uh, one world champion, and that was the uh, 96 US. That might be World Cup. That's supposed to say World Cup, I think. Um, so World Cup. Uh, I, I don't know whether this, this may be a chicken or the egg argument, but the question is for me, looking at this resume, is... Phil Housel is plus minus terrible because he was constantly lucking out into being or not lucking out into being on bad teams mm -hmm. or was Phil Housley on bad teams because he couldn't play defense. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know. Like he played on, I seem to remember him in a Jets uniform and I know that they were, <laughs> they hadn't won a playoff series and maybe ever. <laughs> um, I th when was the last time when they, when they finally won a playoff series and they hadn't won one, I think since like, Oh, it was early eighties. Yeah, like right when they came into the NHL, kind of thing. Um, I'm not sure was he was he on the Jets? I I almost I'll almost decided. yeah yeah you're right you're right yeah he was. I remember yeah. having a hockey card with him in a Jets uniform. That yeah time. yeah you know you're right he was on that uh he was on the uh the Solani '76 goal team. Ah, there you go. Um. Yeah, so I mean, and Buffalo in the '80s was not much to write home about. Um, yep. And he had very, very good, uh, good points there. And then, uh, you know, his points stayed up. And even in uh, 92, 93, obviously, Solani must have turned a lot of those first passes into breakaway goals. Um, but 97 points is, even in that season, pretty ridiculous for a defenseman. Well, he's one of the few defensemen to do that. Yeah. As you pointed out. Um, here's the thing. Like, I, 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 we both recognize that, like, you know, plus minus is very flawed. Yeah. But when the sample is, and I, I think I'm stealing this line from Down Goes Brown. So if I am, I'm sorry. But when the sample is, uh, you know, 1,500 games, mm -hmm. maybe it tells you something. Yeah. 
Um, because this is a guy who was, you know, he was plus 17 once in hilariously. Um, so he was in the, in the, he was positive double digits four times in a 20, uh, two year, 21, 21 year career. Um, and one of those seasons hilariously was a shortened season that his best plus minus ever came in a shortened season, which sure seems like, uh, you know, poor sample size alert. Um, and then so many other years, he was minus something or other. And we don't have possession stats, unfortunately, that would help us, you know, understand whether some of this is just luck. You know, like we, if we had, say, for example, we had his, uh, you know, relative Corsi and Fenwick, we could see like he's, he's, he's driving possession more than, you know, if he's like the Sedin, you know, we talked about the Sedins and how, how much better they were as possession players than everybody else on their team. Yeah. If, if we had that information with Housley, I think you'd be like, Oh, throw out the minus. Yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. We don't have that information. And without that information, as someone who only saw him at the tail end of his career when he was kind of awful, yes. um, like here's the thing: I I I think if you look at his offensive stats, you have to say, if you just look at that only, yeah, this is a man who belongs in the Hall of Fame because, like, he's literally like those were ridiculous things you, we were reading off, you know, like, like there are very few defenseman who've done what he's done on the other hand he was a defenseman yeah and like i mean those those stats are like you could make an argument if he was a forward that those stats are pretty good and like ah, yeah well if he's a forward those numbers i think he's going in yeah so i i mean the plus minus i think um a lot a lot i know a lot of people have made the argument that phil housley wasn't very good defensively but I mean, if you look at those teams, Buffalo didn't go anywhere yeah. uh, in any season. You know, the season he's minus 17. I don't recall Buffalo making a march to the cup, and he's the weak link. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he then moved to the Jets. They didn't even win a playoff series. They they squeaked in because they were in the Smythe division, and everybody was really weak in that. They'd always play Vancouver in round one. Vancouver would win that and then immediately get smoked by the next team. Um the St. Louis team in 94 was probably a pretty good team. Um, you know, and he's a minus five in only 26 games. Um, then he goes to, you know, the, the Calgary season, the, the huge like jump, but, and I mean, he's, he's a point a game player on that team, but tiny sample size. So maybe yep. we the 17, but it's, you know, it's, that's as high as he ever was, but that's also as low as he had ever been on the other side of things. Yeah. Um, you know, he goes back to the Flames in like 99, 2000, 2001, when they're literally Jerome McGinla and like one of the, like, I think Turek was their goalie at that point. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't yeah, great. Every game. Um, you know, when he played with the Capitals, they had that one cup run. Um, but I mean, they were, they were, well, that was, because they had it was gone to our team. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, and he was much older at that point too. And then, yep. you know, finishes the Blackhawks and they were putrid as well. And he's yep. still only like a minus, uh, minus three on the 2001, 2002 Blackhawks. I mean, they were not a great team. Yeah. I yeah. Guess, it's, yeah. It's, it's chicken to the egg, right? Like, it's like, we don't know if, 
he might have contributed to these teams or he might have just been really unlucky. Yeah. It's quite possible. I'm I'm personally I'm a strong believer um not to get into philosophy but that we really underrate the importance of luck in yeah. the world. Absolutely. And and I think that especially in sports where we want everything to be about just about effort, you know, and 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 character and like that's it. And when I look at like and I have to fight this impulse in myself as much as anything, because when I look at Housley's minus, I just like, <laughs> like, this is a joke. Yeah. I mean, and I really feel like it was notable enough to even mention his numbers because it is like, it is minus 53. Um, isn't by any means the worst plus minus in the history of the league. But as I said, when we were reading off the numbers of players to play as long as him, it is the third worst yeah. and it is worth at least thinking about, especially for someone who's, who's a defenseman. On the other hand, like you said, Bill, like these are not good teams. Yeah. And if he had found, as we were talking with Gonchar, if he had found that player who complimented him, you know, I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I heard at one point, I, I heard that in the eighties, he sometimes uh, took faceoffs. And like that's really imp- if that's true, yeah. that's super impressive. It totally is, yeah. And and like, I feel like that's a that's a versatile thing you want now. You want like as many player, especially with the the you know the number of times people are getting kicked out of the faceoff circle. Like if you have other players who can who can take win a faceoff, like you you want as many of them as you can get. And like maybe he's just one of these defensemen who didn't find their right um you know partner mm-hmm. enough times i mean seemed to have it in 1995 but <laughs> but he was only on that team for you know uh, uh a year and a half or something i'm trying to think um, if that al mckinnis back then or not i think he'd already moved to st louis but i'm not sure he was he was on the team in 94 i'm pretty sure well let's just look find out yeah but you, you know, it's it's one of those things like when I saw that, like, you know, he had a minus 17, a minus 13, a minus 14, but he has a plus 15 and a plus 17 on there. I'm like, OK, when he's on a good team or he's having a better year, he's he's still in, he's having plus years. It's not always a minus. He's got a plus 14, yeah. okay. 99. It's it's not like to me, it's not like a a tragic thing. And I and I do get pretty I do get pretty pissy about that, too, because I remember. Lindstrom winning the Norris one year with a minus three, and I was in just furious about it. Um, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that one. But like, again, that's one of those things where you're like, eh, maybe you know, Lindstrom played on a not so great Wings team that year. Um, but to me, the plus minus should, you know, if you're if you're a minus, you know, un- unless it's like you're, I guess, you know, with Lidstrom, we could probably make the exception knowing how good he is and probably how much better he was than every other defenseman. But you're like, you shouldn't be a minus, but you're not like minus 20. It's minus three. It could be some bad bounces. You, you lived on the ice because your team was trying to win. And then you, you know, you ended up getting goals scored on when you were, you know, last man back or exhausted because you tried to score a goal to tie the game and that's okay. You know, um, it's not like, the, the, the player that it reminds me of the most when we think of the plus minus is like Patrice Brisebois. Yeah. Um, and just like, he'd have, you know, he'd have like a 43 point season, 
but like 30 of those 30 or 35 of those points would come on the power play and he'd be like a minus 30 something you're like how how is that even possible <laughs> like like yeah. you're getting pretty pretty awesome ice time and you are just consistently a minus like dude yeah. like, that's not good yeah uh, you know it's like you can card him out for the power play because he can do that one thing but then you like you almost have to stick him to the bench but if you do that then you know he gets all cold and then he can't play anymore um, so to answer your question yes. mcginnis was already on the blues that year uh-huh. uh the, the defensemen on this team on the 1994-1995 calgary flames were uh zarly zalapsky trent yanni james patrick uh frenesek musel steve conroy dan i don't even know who dan ketchmer was nope. len sl and kevin Dahl and steve uh i don't even know how to pronounce his last name jason i don't remember how to pronounce his name anyway and a bunch of other guys basically just a ton of different people they went through a bunch of them um c-h-i-a-s-s-l-n yeah yeah Chieson. Chieson. Uh, okay i didn't know he was french uh, i just think that's just the way i've always pronounced it maybe yeah, it's yeah. Quebec, but um he he was he was a fairly decent nhl player james patrick was as well as yeah james patrick was a good offensive defenseman at one point i think well, definitely played with some good other good solid nhl defense but it's just the reason I bring that up is because here he was on a team where he was far and away the number one guy. And at least uh, for this particular year seemed to work out for him. Now Calgary was not great um, that year. Actually they were, they were very good. Sorry. I take it back. I was looking at the wrong number. They were actually, uh, by uh, uh, by some metrics, they were the fifth best team in the league, even though they lost their first round of the playoffs. Um, that was the year they lost to the Sharks, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't know that looking at this has told us anything, but I think, so. um, <laughs> I think we're we're in one of those zones where we're like we're gonna have to declare basically like a lack of stats, where we don't have his possession numbers, so we don't actually know how good he was at driving the play. We don't know how defensively liable or responsible he was. Well, Maybe it was just Hayes on bad teams. Like we're going to get to like Shane Doan and you know, like it's going to be always, oh, you know, he's one of the guys on the list with like terrible plus minus. Like, dude, like the coyotes have just been terrible. And none of that's yeah. his fault. Like, yeah. so I, I, I feel like none of his plus minus jumps out at me where I say like, holy crap, that guy can't go in the hall with a number like that. Yeah. And the, sorry, go ahead. It just looks like he was on really bad. I mean, he had a season where he had 96, sorry, 66 points and he's a minus 17. Like how bad was that team? Like, or did yeah. he just, was he just constantly on the ice and getting burned? Cause he, they put him with a bad. Well, so, so that brings me to the other point. Not only do we not have possession, we don't have his ice time until the last five years of his career, four yeah. years, five years. And one of the things that that would tell us is like you were saying about Lidstrom, you know, like, which we have that information about, about that specific season. And when we get to Lidstrom, I'm sure, we, which will be a few episodes from now, or maybe in the next one, we will talk about it. The fact of the matter is, is that if we had ice time for say the year that he scored 66 points and was minus 17, we would know yeah. that they were just putting him out there every single, like, you know, every other shift and like he had no support 
and and then you could draw a conclusion from that. But unfortunately, because the NHL didn't believe in tracking very much back then, all we have is that he um, he somehow you know was minus seventeen with sixty six points. And now the team was not good. They um, they made the playoffs for some reason, and. Uh, <laughs> They were actually, but they were ranked fourth because it was the eighties. They were fourth ranked fourteenth of twenty-one, and they lost to the Bruins in the first round. Um, to be a an annual rite of passage. Uh, okay, so the uh, Bruins are going to eliminate Buffalo and uh, have yep. to eliminate Hartford, and we'll see you the next round. Yeah. Anyway, I yeah, I'm with you. I'm like you know, when he first got inducted, I was a little annoyed. Especially given there were other people, like there are people who are not in the hall right now who have or or were not in the hall when he was inducted, um, who I was like annoyed weren't in and they chose him over uh those people. And I I feel like sometimes the hall voters look just at points. Yes. You know, and I think if you'd look at just at points, uh, Phil Housley is a no doubter. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's, you know, it, there's a, a good debate to be had here. At the same time, I am, after having this conversation, I think I'm more leaning towards in than not. Yeah. I think only so. because I don't have definitive, like, I can't point to the, like, you know, the thing that would show that, hey, he had 66 points in that season and he only played like 21 minutes or 20 minutes a game and somehow he was still minus 17. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where, you know, we have to go with the evidence that we have, and the evidence that we have is that he had a crap load of points and was, you know, one of the best offensive defensemen ever. If you're yeah, saying, if ever, yeah. Yes, he played during the you know firewagon era of hockey, so that helps his case a lot. Um, yes, we have the plus minus, maybe a little bit of argument. We don't have enough to say definitively that guy shouldn't be in. You really yeah. can't. It's almost impossible to make that case. Yeah, and the case for well, he did have all these points. Like, yeah, he played in an era, but I mean, how are you going to keep a guy with that many points that's that highly ranked out of the Hall of Fame unless you have an argument that is like, you know, at least cast some serious doubt? And I don't think we can make that argument. I agree. I don't think we can. And I had something else to say apparently, but it's it's vanished. It was something really, uh really important about the eighties and, and high scoring or something or, Oh, you know what it was. The other thing is if we are going to consider nationalities of import at all, and I'm not just saying we should necessarily, but it is something that sometimes people talk about. He's also like way up there on the American list. And so if you care at all about pointing out like the, you know, the, the high, the most notable players of a particular nationality as well, then that would be another reason for him to be in because yeah, he is. I, I, I think that argument's bullcrap then put him in, you know, if, if that's the case, put him in the American hockey. Hall yeah. Which he already is. And yeah, no, I, I, I'm not, and I'm not saying I agree with the argument. I'm just saying some people make some it people right. All right. Uh, lastly, we have um, Eddie Gerard who uh, was originally a winger and then was converted to a defenseman. Um, he was a winger really early on in his career, though. Uh, I believe he only played amateur senior as a winger. And then when he went to uh, pro hockey, that was when he switched. So we're going to, we're basically treating him as a defenseman um, for simplicity's sake. So, 
he played in the NHL from 1917 to 1923. Uh, he played six seasons, all of which were quality, at least by modern standards. He scored 50 goals. He had 48 assists, which were uh, was actually fifth all-time in his retirement. He had 98 points in 128 games, which was sixth all-time in his retirement. And at his retirement, he had 26.5 point shares, which was third all-time in his retirement. At Gerard's retirement, he was seventh all-time in assists per game, and he was first all-time in defensive point shares. So at least by the really terrible uh, defensive point share metric, because it was really bad in the 20s when they didn't have goal differentials, he was the best defenseman of all time, but that doesn't actually mean that. Um, he had an 82-game average of 32 goals, 31 assists for 63 points. That can't be right. Uh, how did I do that? Oh, no. Actually, you know what? It probably is right because it was a different time. <laughs> the first few years of the uh, of the um, of that era, defensemen did sometimes score a lot, but that doesn't sound right to me. Um, anyway, his three-year peak, 1920-1923, uh, a 24-game average of eight goals, 10 assists for 19 points. That sounds much better. Uh, playoffs, he had four goals for four points in 11 games. Uh, his adjusted numbers are 66 goals and 224 assists for 290 points, which is uh, crazy, of course, because as we talked about many times with the old-timers, adjusted um, hockey uh, references, adjusted metric uh, really skews the early uh, NHL players because of the missing second assist. His adjusted 82 game average is an even more absurd 42 goals, 144 assists for 186 points. So obviously that's ridiculous. Gerard is sixth all time in adjusted points per game if the qualifier is set at an absurdly low 82 games. So obviously that is absurd. He was never traded when he was in the NHL. Now his NHA stats, he was in there from 1914 to 17. That's four seasons, all quality. Uh, he, he scored 45 goals, which is at best 22nd all time. He had 31 assists, which is at best fourth all time, for 76 points, which is at best 14th all time in 74 games, which is at best 13th all time. And just a reminder that these stats are incomplete, so he could be lower down on these uh, leaderboards. The qualifier is set low enough for Gerard, but not high enough to exclude the the one person who who had better uh, numbers, who played only 40 games in the NHA. Gerard might be first all time in uh, a spring game in NHA NHA history. Um, he had a 20-game average of 12 goals, 8 assists for 21 points. In the playoffs, he scored 2 goals in 7 games because the NHA didn't really have non-Stanley Cup playoffs for its first few seasons, and then when they did, they were very short. They were one round. He was never traded in the NHA either. Um, his accomplishments. He was a top 10 player by point shares five times in 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 and uh oh we have 23 there so I guess. oh six times sorry okay. um top 10 offensive point player by offensive point shares once in 1918 set the single season record for defensive point shares in 1919-20 and again in 1921 the record lasted until 1925-1926 he's the best defensive player by defensive point shares thrice in 1919-1920 and 1921. He was top five four times in 1922, uh, 1922 so we'll add that there. Um, he was top six six times. You also add 1918 and 1923. He scored 10 goals twice, one of only seven defensemen to do so at his retirement. He was top 10 in goals once. He led the league in assists once, top five twice, top 10 four times. 
He led the league in assists per game once, top five twice, and he was top 10 in points once. So Gerard played his entire career when the Stanley Cup was fought over by a bunch of different leagues. He uh, was a top two D by points on one Stanley Cup champion, the 1921 Senators, and one NHL runner-up, the 1919 Senators. Uh, He was probably a reserve on two Stanley Cup champions, the 1920 and 23 Senators. And then finally, and this is where it gets really weird, he was a role player on one Stanley Cup champion, the 1922 St. Patrick's. Now... In 1922, uh, Gerard was loaned to the St. Patrick's um, for the 1922 Stanley Cup, which was fought uh, played against the PCHA champion, because that's the way the league was word the t- Stanley Cup was at the time. Um, and he was loaned by the Senators, who the Pats had just defeated in the NHL playoffs. Harry Cameron, who, was, who we talked about before, uh, had been injured and was knocked out of the Stanley Cup final. Um, and Gerard was loaned to the Pats to cover for Cameron. However, after they won that game, the owner or manager of the Senators said, no, you can't play for them anymore. They're going to win the cup and pull them out of the team. And so he was no longer on the Pats. However, the Pats did end up winning the cup. And apparently Gerard's name is on the cup for that cup. And he's considered to have won it. Wow. That's, very That's super weird and very, very indicative of the way things were. A hundred years ago, because that's crazy. Yeah. That would never happen now. I hope. Well, I mean, you can you can play in just a few games, and they can petition to put your name on the cup. I mean, yeah, but you're not going to play like the uh, and, the uh, the the Capitals aren't calling up the Jets to get Bufflin, <laughs> or not the, not the Jets. Sorry, they're not calling um, they're not calling the Lightning to get uh, Headman, right? No, they're not. And yeah, that's not happening. No, I have a feeling. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyway, um, I look at this resume and I have no, I have no doubts personally. No, it's, he, he he seems like um, one of the very early important um, offensive defensemen or just great defensemen uh, that played in the game. You know, it's, uh, I mean, his, all of his, I mean, we can throw out the absurd stats once we start to do the multipliers and that stuff, but like, for him to be consistently that good, um, six quality NHL seasons, um, all all his seasons in the NHA quality, he won the cup a bunch of times. He was the best defensive player. He had, you know, he finished top ten in points, top ten in goals. I mean, that's it's pretty hard to say no to a guy like that. Um, yeah. Even even if we're not a hundred percent sure on how reliable some of those stats are, it seems like there's really no argument to be made against him. Yeah. Uh, at least I don't see one. So, I mean, well, that's the thing is like you can, if you go and read the methodology of point shares, you'll see that in in the twenties in particular, it's very flawed. Yes. But we don't have other information. That's as good as we can get. Exactly. And you know that says that uh, this guy was along with Harry Cameron and George Boucher, like the like defenseman of this this period. And, you know, I, I mean, that's enough for me. Uh, I, I can't, like you said, I can't really muster an argument that says he doesn't belong. I mean, I think with these old timers who were inducted, one of the things we have to, you know, and we've talked about this before is, is if we are going to say no, 
they don't belong. We need something at least somewhat definitive. And I mean, to me, I just read this and I go, yeah, obviously he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he may he may have been the best. Uh, we could be wrong, but he may have been the best passing player in the history of the NHA. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if that's true, you know, that's that's right. That in and of itself is like, OK, that's a, there's a case right there. And that's in addition to his NHL accomplishments, which he looked like he was, you know, the best or among the top couple defensemen in the NHL for their first six seasons. Yeah. So, I'm convinced. I'm I'm convinced as well. <laughs> there's no, there's very little discussion. It's just like, yeah, yeah, he belongs. Yeah, he's in. I, I'm utterly fascinated by the fact that he was loaned to like the team that he lost to, though. Like this is just so weird. Stranger things have happened in the oh, early sport. That is absolutely true. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And no, it's just... Nothing beats baseball for things like that. Um, yeah. In fact, there's a case of an old Mets player. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I'm just going to look it up. I was Um... Well, while you're doing that, yeah, I will just say that. Um, sorry, I'm being distracted. I need to close my door. This is devolving very quickly. <laughs> There's like background noise over here, and I was like, "Oh, now, now I can't concentrate." Um, I I don't know. I just I find like I understand that it was a, a much um, more casual time, but I still feel like. It's interesting to me that there wasn't, I guess there was maybe some league pride going on. Like when the guy thought about lending Gerard to the, uh, to the Pats, he was like, well, we don't want, um, we don't want those awful Pacific coast hockey association people to win. And then after the Pats won a game, he was like, oh no, maybe we do actually. I don't actually want the Pats. I forgot. I hate you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You beat us. Yeah. You're the reason we're not in the cup final. <laughs> I did find what I was looking for. Um, you know, just one of those, like, since we're talking about weird, like, league histories, and this has always been my favorite one. Um, the New York Mets came in. They were an expansion team in, uh, in 1962. Um, and so they, uh, they acquired a guy named uh, Harry Cheedy from the Indians. Okay. To be named later. Yeah, he proceeded, he proceeded to bat uh, 195 for 15 games. <laughs> traded for himself. They just sent him back, and so he That's was amazing. He named later. He was traded literally for himself. <laughs> that is incredible. I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's like a great trivia question answer. And apparently, it's happened three other times since then because I guess people realized they could do it. <laughs> um, but oh, he- there's no, there is nothing in the rules banning it. I guess not. No. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, hey, we thought we wanted this guy. Send him back. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> Trade it for yourself. So wow. Weird. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I don't have anything more to say about Gerard. I think he belongs. Absolutely. So do I. All right. So I guess we'll wrap this one up. Yeah. And we'll uh, we'll resume again in the near future. So thanks everyone for listening and we will see you next time. Take care.